0: It's sort of okay to be preoccupied with uh, sort of aesthetics and all that, right? Like that's mm-hmm. fine. It's just that what he's done is he's crossed that wire, and he applies that politically, and that seems yeah. to be the gen. And that seems to be the kind of again, you know, generational politics is a it's is sort of is sort of fictional, right? But in yeah. as much as he believes in it, that seems to be his view of generational politics. Is um is things were cooler and less embarrassing. Uh, in before the 70s, for me, I didn't feel pandered to, or I don't think I would have felt pandered to if I was my age back then. Um, so therefore, something, something has gone wrong, but or something where or so people are experiencing reality wrong, right? They need to be, they need to tune out of the you know the because again the real this is pure adbusters, right? The problem is you know more kids know about McDonald's than can identify an oak leaf or whatever right you sort of (laughs) you miss you're saying ah i'm i'm it's basically a version of being mad at the tv and again it's fine to be mad at the tv uh because it's not showing you the fun spectacle that you want instead it's showing you the bad spectacle it's just again that he draws those he draws out a political kind of implicit political philosophy from this right this idea that like, uh, 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 yeah this ad busters guy basically
1: Yeah, he's doing a kind of cultural analysis that's only an aesthetic analysis and leaves out all actual politics. And the point of cultural analysis is it has to be both. Mm -hmm. And if you Mm -hmm. only take account of aesthetics, but you convince people that you're doing cultural theory, you're going to have a lot of people who don't think very hard, but are self-satisfied going along with you, thinking that they're getting a kind of comprehensive analysis of what it is to be a person.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know what it is? It's like if Gramsci was actually just interested in like writing a book, and he, that was his goal. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> I I love reading the Walter Benjamin book uh, about reproduction, and it's just a, a like a fetishistic uh, description of like printing presses.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just, <laughs> he just yeah, it's it, he just loves printing presses. Gra- Gramsci just like becomes a television executive, basically. Yeah.
2: <laughs> totally. Well, Catherine, I was going to ask you know, so you reread generation x uh recently and i I feel like you did the work so uh what like as a writer in 2021 was was it a was it a bizarre experience going into this like very personal very of its time book
1: yeah very irritating it's
2: it's irritatingly written
1: yeah Yeah, it's i mean i guess it's also the stylist it's the point of it because the style like there are a bunch of it's extremely referential it establishes place with a lot of street names and nearby towns and like we'll use proper nouns constantly uh it's clever without being funny at all okay. uh it's it's a very difficult read and the fact that it's uh not pleasant at all the entire time um so so it was a uh, that was a bit of an alienating
2: yeah alienating thing. It's, it. it's interesting to contrast that that book in particular. We were talking about this earlier, but like uh it's interesting to contrast that book with um the guy who wrote Fight Club, you know, who was also sort of a voice of a micro generation that was a little bit after uh Copeland. And yeah, it-
1: but he's a better he's better at writing, right? Like I remember mm-hmm. his i d haven't gone back to read him now, but I remember his writing at least being kind of like Lucid and intense and, like, draws... This could be just something that I'm imagining.
0: I think his famous writing was lucid and intense. Uh, when I was after my Douglas Copeland phase, I did go through a big Chuck Palahniuk phase. I this and, is why uh, I
2: brought this up, Riley, because I had yep. a feeling.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I was like, boy, did I love Fight Club! Time to read everything else he's ever written, and there's a real reason that only one of those books is famous. Amen. Uh, because at, at the end of each one, he has to like reveal some like twisted, dark secret at the heart of everything. You know, like, um, oh, all of this was just you know, for some. All of this was uh, again covering some subversive thing, right? At the yeah. end of one of his books, it's like all of the rising action was leading to like the, the the fact they found like um uh, a dump where they put porn.
2: <laughs> 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 he's kind of like
0: That's so
2: he, he's kind of like the dark M Night Shyamalan, you know? Uh,
0: snuff. It was it was snuff. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, being like about um. Uh, about yeah someone trying to have so much sex that they die uh, uh, as part of a movie, like making a snuff film where they try to like you know die sex right? themselves to death basically and, yeah get sex to death <laughs> and then um uh, uh, uh basically the end of the i think the, the at the end of the um uh, or no its it's maybe it's it's choke. I don't remember it's one of them, uh but it's i think may either one. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the big reveal at the end is that somewhere there is a big hidden porn dump. Are they both about fucking yourself to death? Uh, so uh, uh, snuff is about getting, uh, fucking yourself to death. Choke at least has an interesting premise, which is uh, a guy who gets who goes around pretending to choke in restaurants so that he people will save his life and then feel responsible for him. And then give him some money. They made one. a movie about it with Sam Rockwell um, not about it. Uh, but um, that might also end in the same in that way i don't actually remember but that's the moment i remember sort of being turned off just chuck balani because i was like oh this is you're just trying to be very arch here you haven't wait really done much wait a minute this is just <laughs> stupid <laughs> well,
2: okay speaking of stupid um oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah. Uh, i want to talk about uh, copeland's art career because <laughs> oh man right. so so Copeland has uh, pivoted a few times to high art uh, he actually has an academic background in in design um, and art uh, I believe he graduated from Emily Carr uh, his art seems to be like a larger physical manifestation of you guys know the balloon guy right
0: oh yeah of course
2: Catherine you uh, know the balloon guy I how would right? Ra-
1: ra- oh, you mean, like the person with the sayings. He's got like yeah, guy, little yeah.
2: therapeutic Yeah, things. yeah. yeah. Uh, yes,
1: I'm familiar with
2: him. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's balloon guy. But balloon if balloon guy had a survey at like the Museum of Contemporary Canadian Art, um, <laughs> uh, I <laughs> and, and and almost I think, quite, honestly, quite literally, uh, <laughs> that's
0: really the problem with being Douglas Copeland. Right? Is that if you <laughs> allow yourself, if you allow yourself to just try to become unmoored from everything. And uh, to sort of, and and, and to try to, and your main, if the main thing that you that you're, if the main thing you're fighting against is like brands, and you're just mad at the brands, and you want people to and you think the brands are giving people bad messages then you think what's important to do is give people good messages and so if you continue your to just live unmoored from the entire world around you then of course you're going to like wash up in some weird tide pool and just turn yourself into balloon guy and then you're trapped <laughs> as balloon guy forever you yeah. once you start doing that you will never be able to stop because all you can all you can really think to do is kind of listlessly push out positive or provocative messaging in the form of some way that's supposed to be kind of attention grabbing like a balloon or maybe uh, some kind of like a light installation but again it really can't figure anything else out out to say that isn't just the taglines from okay soda (laughs) 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 but I also
1: don't even think that he actually hates the brands he hates the fact that people are so shallow and stupid that they respond to the brands like i don't think that he thinks the brands are the problem i think
2: that's a good point he's a very
1: anti social writer he does, he thinks that the, the people who will follow unambitious messaging are the problem
2: yeah no <laughs> yeah. no that's-
0: you're too easy to market to you should be a more you should be a more complex consumer
2: Yeah, and and that, again, just gets to the sort of hollowness of his ideology because what does it matter if you buy a can of soda and you look at it and uh, roll your eyes and sigh performatively as you pay for it or if you're like, yay, my favorite (laughs) kind of soda. At least the person who says my favorite kind of soda is having some pleasure in their short time on Earth, right? Like, (laughs) I would much rather be like, oh, I fucking love, I don't know, squirt soda in the fucking glass bottle
0: Ooh, zima the the best yeah
2: Yeah. i love to enjoy buying a product like what else do we have like
0: yeah it's like if if you're gonna hate on if you're like fine be an you want to be an anti-consumerist do whatever do whatever you want but like don't make that your entire politics and not expect to seem like a giant dumbass
2: yeah exactly
0: Well, I'm going to I'm going to be over here enjoying buying this Zima because it speaks to my demographics concerns.
2: I'm going to be here buying it because it tastes good and I like it.